Hey, welcome back to the Lightspeed Lawn Care Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Cody Owen, sitting down today with Jonathan Porter-Wistman. He is the author of The Sales Boss, and he is now running... Oh my gosh, I'm going to do it wrong. Who hire? I did it. I did it correctly. We were talking before the call and Jonathan was intentionally trying to confuse me and make me say it in the wrong order. You got to know who to hire. And uh, yeah, well, thank you, Cody. Great to be on the show. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. So we met a while back just to chat and see if we thought that we'd be a good fit to do some content together. And I think we hit it off pretty well because you're here now. But what we want to talk about today is how is AI transforming the way we should think about recruiting employees? I think you're doing some really interesting work in this space. And so I just want to give the floor to you. We can dive in and I'll ask some follow-ups as we go. Yeah, excellent. You know, when we think about AI, it's sort of the, the, the fashionable term right now. AI is transforming everything. But we've been working in the field of AI and I th- as it relates to uh, hiring people, identifying the right people for your team, uh, for a number of years now. And I think it's important for people to realize that AI really is just math and the ability to, you know, crank a lot of data and look at a lot of data. Unfortunately, computers are finally getting large enough, fast enough to, to be able to really look at data in an interesting way. And one of the things that we've been able to do is there's this whole world of psychographics, which just refers to, you know, what makes up us as people. So like our grit, our determination, the the way we see the world around us. And there's this whole world of psychology that talks about who we are as human beings. And we have an inventory of about 500 research back things that we can analyze about a person through an online questionnaire, things that are scarily accurate in the way that they describe us. If you if you would read one of the reports, you'd be like, that's exactly like me. And if you disagreed with it, you just ask your wife or girlfriend, they'd be like, no, that's exactly like you. <laughs> and what we've done is we've bridged that gap between what science says we have the ability to measure and we're mapping that to what are the skills and attitudes and thinking required to do well in a particular job. So for instance, a la- you know, a landscape technician, somebody out, you know, mowing yards or doing fertilization or somebody doing home siting or somebody, you know, sitting in a office selling or doing dispatching. What is it that makes a person unique at doing that? So we build custom models that your candidates come in, they take a 15 minute online survey, just, you know, through a link on their phone. And we tell you, how are they going to perform in that job? And how likely are they to stay around versus you be a flight risk? And in the data is really surprising. People trust their gut and intuition to make good hiring decisions. And yet for many companies, they have turnover above 50%. Uh, oftentimes that turnover is happening within the first 60 to 90 days of hiring. It's, a, it's atrocious, uh, the, the impact that has on the ability to run your business. And yet with data, you're able to really hone in on who's the right person for the right role and how long are they going to actually stay. And I think if you're a business owner and you're not using AI in that capacity, you're really missing out on a, on a way to truly grow your company. You've heard, you heard the phrase that a company's value is the value of their people or the quality of their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were talking about developing models for specific positions, this is leveraging technology that huge companies have had for quite a while now because they had enough internal data 
that they could measure and assess candidates based on, you know, if you have 600 people in a call center, you've got, you know, your own data set to work with. Whereas smaller businesses are having to go off of feelings and intuition because they don't have a big enough data set. And what you guys have done is you're building these models by having many small businesses cooperatively have their data feed into this model. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I'll use as an example, HVAC plumbing, right? A lot of, a lot of companies in that space, various sizes where you, you have a dispatcher, you have a technician, you have a salesperson, you have a CSR agent, and all of those companies rely on being able to identify that talent. So we've partnered with industry trade groups and we bring in hundreds of HVAC plumbing contractors, we assess their teams, people doing those jobs today, and we get truckloads of data, psychographic data. What's the makeup of the people? And those companies also provide us data. And so our AI machine learning mod module matches those, looks through the 500 things we can measure. What are, what are the 10 items or the 13 items for a dispatcher that actually makes them stick and stay and do well in that role? Uh, and so once the, once we've developed an industry model, then it's available to companies, you know, outside of that industry that's participated in, in helping build it. Yeah. It's really cool that you're able to, you know, it's sort of a like democratization of big data for small business owners where we're able to pull down these tools that guys so much bigger than us, like definitely true green uses this when they're assessing their guys who are going to come out and, you know, kill customers lawns. Uh, but it's the guy who's precision engineered that he's going to do that for two years or whatever. So you're able to use these tools to help well, small it, business owners. Yeah. And it, it, even with large companies, they've used assessment data, but even in large companies, it's fairly rare currently for them to pair both the assessment with actual performance data. That's a relatively new area of science and really AI has helped enable that on a larger scale. So the, the, the fun thing is that it's these smaller contractors are gonna be right at the leading edge, right on parity with some of the latest hiring tools that large companies are using. And it's even more important because you think about it, if you have a company where you have a hundred people doing a job, you could make a bad hiring decision on 10 of them and you know it's only 10% of your workforce. But if you only have three people in a role or four people in a mm -hmm. role and you have a couple of them not working out, that's a full 50% of your capacity as a company underperforming. Yeah. And so it's critical if you're a small company, get those hiring decisions right. In, in my book, I talk about hiring primarily salespeople in the book. But the, the, the hiring manager really should be looking at it as though when that candidate walks out the door, they have to write them a half a million dollar check. And they need to take it that seriously because that's the impact that it has on their business, especially if you churn through a lot of people. They're touching your customers. Um, they ruin customer relationships. And then just the drag organizationally. Yeah. I don't know about you, but sitting down looking at a resume and having to interview somebody, it's like mind numbing. Yeah. And then they've, they're also numbed by, they gave you a resume. They also filled out all of the information from their resume into a, a hiring form on the way in. Yep. And the uh, reality is you, you don't learn a lot other than do I like the person? Like my gut feel yeah. tells me, Hey, I sort of, you know, enjoy spending time with these people. And our gut feel can oftentimes be wrong. I'll give you an example. We built a model to predict cleaner performance. I was for, literally, for you took the question out of my mouth. I was going to say like, from your work in the cleaning space, I know there's some counterintuitive 
yeah. stuff that you found. Uh, please tell us. Well, so just as an example, so we're trying to predict flight risk and job performance for think of a person cleaning a home, right? Home homemade mm-hmm. service. And we actually found that the more sincere an applicant is, the worse they perform in the job. So the more sincere your home cleaner is, the worse they are at both cleaning and they also churn out of the company faster. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of counterintuitive because if you were sitting down doing an interview, you'd be like, hey, Cody's really sincere and it makes you, it makes you likable. But mm-hmm. it's that same quality that's actually uh, the data suggests is leading to underperformance. Yeah. And we talked about an interesting thing where I asked you specifically about, like, I remembered working in a restaurant and taking these dumb quizzes about like theft in the workplace and theft of time and all of this stuff. And I remembered like seeing coworkers fill it out, like honestly um, about some of the edge case stuff and just being like, how can you be so stupid to like tell them (laughs) that you would, you know, clock in and then go to the bathroom, like just say no, it's nothing's going to happen to you. And and you kind of explained that those sorts of assessments aren't measuring what an employee having it put in front of them would read at face value. Yeah. So this is not unique to our company in any sort of uh, personnel assessment where you're trying to get at human behavior. We know that humans lie humans try to put on their best face, right? You're obviously you go on a date, you're, you know, you're not necessarily going to be your true self. You know, the same person you're going to be six months after you're, you know, in that relationship. It's the same thing when somebody's showing up for a job. So the whole world of assessment technology focuses on anti-faking technology. So do somebody just go through and randomly click a bunch of answers? They're not thinking about it. So there's some data science around if they answer this question this way, statistically, they're going to answer this question set this way. Mm-hmm. So humans are predictable in that way. But you also layer in that the thing the candidate thinks is being measured isn't actually what they're measuring. And I think the story you're referring to is actually when I took an assessment, it was honesty, uh, integrity, and reliability. And they were the dumb questions like, would you, would you pick up the pencil? Or would you take it home with you? And I just thought this tool could never work because of course I'm going to answer. I'm always honest. I would never take a pencil from the office home. And I ranted to the, to the person that had constructed the test and I got all the way to the end and she said, you know, Jonathan, they weren't actually measuring honesty, integrity and reliability. What they were measuring was how important it was for you to, to control the way people perceive you. Mm-hmm. Right. So because I yeah. thought they wanted me to be honest, I answered all of those questions in the best light possible. So the person that actually was, honest going through the honesty assessment there we're not we wouldn't be giving them a, a, a score on honesty you're giving them a score related to self-percept or you know how they want to be perceived by other people it's sort of yeah, fascinating and it definitely when you explained that to me it was a light bulb moment for like i took that assessment in a you know customer facing role and they want to see like are you capable of knowing that you should mask your true feelings? (laughs) Yeah, it it could Uh, be right. Yeah. What's Um, also interesting is what's also fascinating to me is that the things that our gut and intuition tell us is important in in a role is sometimes very wrong. We did a a study for a Samsung retail store executive. So, or so think people selling cell phones, that sort of thing in a, you know, retail environment. 
and they were having high turnover. And the two things they were measuring on the front end was customer orientation and uh, love of technology. And after we crunched a lot of data, we realized there was zero correlation between customer orientation and success in the role. Mm. doesn't mean it's you, know, you don't want to hire people that'll still treat your customers nice, but they had over-indexed on it. They were putting a lot of weight on, hey, this person will treat our customer well, and then therefore they'll do well in the job. And the truth mm. is the data didn't support that. Worse, the data also suggested a negative correlation between love of technology and success in the role. So the more somebody loved technology, the worse they did selling technology which was sort of counterintuitive to the executives who were making those hiring decisions. So all along they're making what they think are well-informed hiring decisions based on gut and intuition and frankly, getting it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then believing that they have to deal with 50% turnover because that's just the way the industry is. Well, you know, back to your earlier question, how should companies be leveraging AI? They should realize that at certain things like pattern recognition AI and computers are always going to be way better at it than us. That doesn't mean we take out all gut and intuition. Doesn't mean we take out all, you know, the human element of it. It just means let's allow data to inform our decisions. Yeah. Well, and you can, you can test it against your gut ability and, and see which one works out better in your business. Or, you know, you've been going on your gut intuition, test out the AI for a little bit and see, do you have better outcomes than, than you had when you were relying on your guts? I know we, that- We see people driving right. down turnover rates, high 50, 60% turnover rates and getting those down to under 12%. One company's under 4% turnover. They told us, arguably, we don't want any lower turnover than 4% because, you know, the only thing worse than high turnover is no turnover. Mm -hmm. You're sort of stagnant, but that, that has a dramatic impact on a business when you can retain people and they train quickly and operate at a higher, higher performance level. Yeah. You're able to build institutional knowledge where guys are able to correct how other guys are doing it. You, you build up, Hey, this is the way things are done and it's not constantly retraining people and, and hoping that it sticks when it's somebody's job every day to, to do something and they're good at it, it's going to, you know, continue. They're going to, yeah, I like the way you level. articulate that. The otherwise you're having your institutional wisdom just walk right out the door. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like capital that you're building in the business. And if you don't value employees uh, or you treat them as like super expendable, you're sacrificing a lot of capital that would be in the business. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we have tools for almost every other area of our business. Like, you know, most contractors aren't, you know, you know, they're using some sort of software to help them manage their money and point out spending trends. And there's data to suggest what their, how their marketing spend is working and is it producing? And they're not going to do that on just gut feel. Right. And yet when it comes to their people decision, which is sort of the base engine that drives everything in their business. They're sort of like, hmm, let's, <laughs> I like the guy. I like the girl. Let's, you know, let's give him a shot. I, I got a good feeling about this get one. A, get a good feeling. And, and we're, and we're just no, notoriously bad at it. And we also have short memories. Like we remember the person we hired that makes it. And we sort of forgive ourselves for all of the mm -hmm. bodies that are sort of went out the door. Right. And we always let ourselves off the hook and say, well, they just weren't a good fit for the culture or they had, you know, we have some excuse for why they didn't work out 
And yeah. rarely is the executive or the owner saying, no, that was our problem. We selected poorly for that role. Yeah. So y'all are developing a model for the green industry, right? We are. We're right in the middle of developing. We call it a pathfinders group. And it's those initial companies that are willing to do a little bit of the hard work. And when I say hard, it's not, it's, you know, it's not a huge lift, but they have to be willing to look at the data, share some of their data, have conversations with our scientists to help us build, build the model. Right. Um, whereas once the model's built, the, the, and people can just sign up and use it, then it becomes sort of automated from there. But so we're, we're signing up people for a Pathfinders group now for the green industry. You really want, you know, to get somewhere north of 500, say, technicians that you can evaluate. The closer you get to a thousand, it's even better if you get 2000. And then once people sign up, it sort of, you know, gets the ball rolling and you get some momentum. But we need yeah. that initial group so that we just, we can create a great assessment that tells you whether somebody has grit or whether they have, you know, bounce back, back ability or any of the other things that you can measure. The problem is you just don't know whether that correlates to performance, right? Yeah. So you got to have performance data at some point in time. Yeah. How does the, because like, it's not very many people's dream mm -hmm. to be a technician forever. How does the, the model look at longevity in a position where I guess that's like part of measuring flight risk. It's exactly what flight risk measures, right? And there's, while people probably don't dream of being a technician forever, there is uh, a certain subset of people who are skilled at the job, happy doing the job, will stick it out for the long term. I'll give you an example in the cleaning industry. If somebody's really uh, a job applicant, if they're very entrepreneurial, Right. And the and the data suggests that they're really entrepreneurial. They actually pose a flight risk. And the reason is they get in, they sort of learn the business and they're like, oh, I go start my own cleaning company. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's a very familiar pattern to somebody that owns a house cleaning company. And so we just figure out for for the green industry, as an example, what is the sort of combination of things that causes somebody to leave early? Right. And, and it went in, in the case that we can measure that. So you might have somebody that we're predicting to have really high performance, but they won't stick around for more than a year. Right. And then gotcha. it's the business owner to sort of think through that and say, well, I, I really need a high performer right now. I'm going to hire that person, but I also know I'm probably going to have to pay some attention to how do I retain them for, you know, for the long haul. Do I need to be able to give them leadership positions? Do I need to have some path to ownership in the company? Like what's going to be meaningful to keep that person here? Yeah. What, what is the future of what you're working on? Like, so we have the model and we can use it for recruiting. Are there plans to look at like measuring retention and like cha how changes in policies could impact certain positions? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to continue to, to plug data into the system. I think it's even more interesting when you start looking at your existing teams uh, and you start taking someone and you think about career pathing and maybe you have three or four different roles within the organization, maybe 10 roles. And to be able to say, you know, Cody's going to come in in this role, but he's also predicted to do really well in this role over here. And now we can career path, get them training. We can make investments in mm -hmm. Cody knowing that he's going to be around long enough 
A, and B, he's also, when he gets in that role, he's going to be highly talented at it. So that investment has a higher ROI than it would have otherwise. And if you sort of go well into the future, I imagine a world where it's actually a service for the job seeker, mm. right? Where I can go in and, 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 and take the, the survey and I'm going to be presented with matching on job opportunities that I'm likely to enjoy and, and, and flourish in. So th there's always been career, you know, assessments that sort of play around the edges of saying, you know, maybe you should consider being a teacher. Maybe you should be a scientist. I'm thinking of that on steroids where we're able to say, you actually should work for this company that has this job opening. And by the way, here's what you're going to earn. And here's the likelihood of promoting into the senior ranks of that organization. That's really cool because it's, you know, it's like an indeed style marketplace, but in a way where you're, you're able to tell the company, this is an awesome candidate because X, Y, Z, and you're able to tell the person, like, we really think that you'll thrive in this position because, you know, we measured these things about you. Yeah, we built a performance model for A1 Garage. You may be familiar with Tommy Mello's company. Yeah. And we're predicting for garage door technicians the average ticket size uh, that they're going to write in the garage and also their customer satisfaction score, which is sort of a blend of Google rankings, callbacks, those sort of things. But what's interesting is his companies largely pay for performance, right? So they, they, they do get a, uh, an hourly rate, uh, but they also uh, pay for performance. So some sort of commission, and that's really the bulk of their earnings. And where we're moving because our prediction model is so accurate is to be able to advertise, say at a top golf or a movie theater and say, Hey, Cody, thinking about changing a career, we provide all the training, uh, you know, the truck, et cetera take this quiz, we'll tell you exactly what you learn. And so they can get online, take that quiz, and we're able to say, hey, you're going to earn 150K a year, or you're going to be a 200K earner, whatever that number happens to be. And it's mm -hmm. solidly built on those people actually succeeding in the company today doing that job and what are they earning. Yeah, right. That's so really I'm, cool. I'm, I'm sort of de-risking it for the candidate and I'm de-risking it for the company. Because the last thing I want to do as a candidate is, go through 60 days of training, jump through a bunch of hoops, end up in the garage and realize I hate it and I'm no good at it. Or I'm even worse, I'm just good enough at it that I actually stick around and I earn mediocre pay for the rest of my life. Yeah. So that's where we're John, headed in the future. Yeah. yeah, man, that's really cool. I'm glad that we were able to get that like, you know, kind of peek behind the curtain at what's what's coming. If people are interested in looking into who hire a little more, where can they find y'all? I would, they could email me one. They could go to whohire.com. They can sign up, but the, it, it, especially if they're in the green industry. And I think a lot of your listeners are probably in that industry. If they want to email me, John, J O N at whohire.com and they want to participate in that, I'll have one of my team members reach out to them, show them how they can get involved in improving the hiring process for their company and, and, and really help us build this, this model. And the nice thing for people that participate in the model building is that the model is really you know, folded around their data and the way they operate. Yeah. So while it's hyper accurate for other companies that may come around later, for them, it's like a glove that was custom made, if that if that makes sense, because it's going to pick yeah. up on some of the intricacies of the way they build uh, and, and grow their team internally. Yeah. 
Plus yeah, they get well, a thank you. plus they get a great deal on it as a thank you for us for you know helping us with the science. Definitely. So if you're interested in in being a part of that Pathfinders group, send John an email. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really, yeah. really appreciate it. Great visiting with you.